This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 347 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, which is pleased to announce a new service offering, the Compliance Alliance. It's a three-step process that allows you, your company, and your team a background into compliance in the FCPA so you can more adequately consider how your product or service fits the needs of a chief compliance officer. It includes a compliance boot camp, sponsorship of a compliance podcast series, and in-person compliance training. Interested persons should contact Tom Fox at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Today I have back with me my good friend and colleague, Adam Turtletop. Adam is with the SCCE. He is the Vice President, Strategic Initiatives and International Programs, and he talks about the 2017 SCCE Compliance and Ethics Institute, which is fastly coming upon us in October, October 14 through 18, excuse me, 15 through 18 in Las Vegas. And we talk about the learning tracks available, ethics risk, case studies, compliance lawyer, multinational, IT compliance, general and hot topics, and advanced discussion groups. We talk about some of the extras or additions to the compliance tracks that you can take advantage of such as speed mentoring and speed networking. We also talk about the service opportunities that's available. It's a great review of what's coming up. This is what I think uh, to be the top compliance profession and compliance practitioner event annually. It's uh, certainly well worth your while. Uh, We expect nearly uh, 2,000 attendees this year, so I hope you will consider joining us at the 2017 SCCE. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today uh, returns one of my favorite guests, Mr. Humility, and one of my friends, Adam Turtletop, (laughs) Vice President, Strategic Initiatives and International Programs at the SCCE. Uh, He is here to talk about the SCCE 2017 Compliance and Ethics Institute, which is literally just around the corner from October 15th to 18th uh, this year. So, Adam, with that uh, very humble uh, introduction, welcome. Thank you. And as a man who's often said I'm not good enough to have low self-esteem, I really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, uh, anyone who's seen you knows you don't have low anything, so there. That's true. My tallest friend from Havana. Uh, (laughs) Adam, in the past, we've taken a look at some of the um, uh, individual breakout sessions and uh, the highlights of each conference. But today, I wanted to maybe take a step back and talk about the structure because many people who come to the SCCE CEI or the Compliance and Ethics Institute for the first time really are overwhelmed They're overwhelmed by the number of compliance practitioners. They're overwhelmed by the number of programs and sessions, the different topics. The the brochure itself is 20, excuse me, 35 pages. And so I was wondering if if there's a way that they might be able to think through how to um, at least look at some of the sessions, uh, at least in the context of the different tracks that uh, the conference has. And I was wondering if you might go through each track and, and talk about what they're really aimed for, what level of compliance, sophistication, or maturity. 
Okay, great. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And yeah, it can definitely be overwhelming. I mean, walking into a meeting with 1800 plus people, uh, it's definitely a lot. And there's a few things that I think people can do, including the tracks, which I'll get to in a second to help make it a little more approachable. One of the things that I do suggest, um, and I, I know we'll probably talk about later, some of the other things you can do there is the speed networking on Sunday morning. Uh, don't look at it just as a way to build out a network. It's a good way to quickly have a few friendly faces that you'll have spent a few minutes with and somebody you'll feel more comfortable talking to during the course of the meeting if you spot them at lunch or whatever, some company. So I do that. But um, in terms of the tracks, you know, there's a lot of different sessions out there. We try to cover the gamut of compliance and ethics in issues. And rather than just sort of just plop them on the schedule. What we wanted to do was organize that so that if somebody's got a particular interest in a risk area or an approach, they can then dive deep into that and follow the sessions through. So we've got one that's specifically addressing ethics uh, that goes from start to finish, one on risk, which gets into everything from how you assess risk to certain key risk areas. Case studies are just like it says. Each session there is a case study of how a different compliance program solved a problem. Compliance lawyer is a more legal in orientation than the other sessions are. Uh, it tends to focus much more on the law rather than what you actually do with it. Uh, multinational, international really is looking beyond the U.S. to issues like FCPA, data privacy, various other issues that are global. IT compliance is there for somebody whose main concern is sort of what am I going to do with all this IT risk that I have and how do I manage it, whether it's data protection uh, from your company assets or the risk of breaches, whether caused by hackers or, you know, employee dopey behavior. Uh, the general topics is a, is a catch-all and then the advanced discussion groups are different. I'll come back to them in a second. Anyway, in terms of how much experience you need to take any of them, they cover the range. Uh, there's some stuff that people will find basic and some stuff they'll find advanced. Really, it, best thought of not so much of how much experience I have in this area, but what is my key area of interest and do one of these tracks uh, match match that. And one of the things I should point out is you don't have to sign up for a track. We do ask when people register to indicate what sessions they're planning on attending. It's not because we're going to hold you to that. It's basically so we can get a good sense of room size, which ones are likely to be more popular than others. And you're going to always feel free to skip around between the tracks as you go along. Now, one thing I promise to come back to is the advanced discussion groups. Those are very different from the other sessions. For one, they're limited in size to, I think it's 50 people. At that point, we close the door and say, sorry, no more. The person who's there is really not there to be a presenter, but to be a facilitator of conversation where we take a topic and that person's there to lead you through or the participants in the session through a discussion of what that issue is and how to deal with it. We tell the people, please don't produce slides for it with one exception is, or two. One is an introduction slide and two is a questions. Um, and we give them audience, we give the audience members feedback devices so you can answer anonymously uh, when they're asking questions and to help use that to sort of make the conversation go forward. So they're a really good way to not just learn from someone, but actively participate in a conversation and learn from everyone that's in the room. So um, 
One of the things I struggled with in the advanced discussion groups last year was I inevitably arrived too late. So is there a way to move really uh, from uh, session to session and still be able to make these? Or are the advanced yeah. discussion groups so popular you have to leave your session early to get there early? No, you know, I don't think they're quite that popular yet. <laughs> and we always do leave breaks between the two sessions. So uh, typically about a half an hour, um, I believe, for most of them. A couple of them may be a little bit shorter. I'm just eyeballing my own schedule now. Um, but uh, my advice is don't wait. If the session starts at, you know, it's going to start at, say, 2 o'clock that you want to go to, don't show up at 2. Get there at 10 to 2 or a little earlier. Uh, you'll still have plenty of time to finish uh, the last session. It probably just means a little less time to drink that soda and eat that giant cookie that you were going to regret eating later anyway. I love that. You even threw, threw in some free gratuitous guilt. Hmm. Very good. <laughs> The uh, the beatings will stop when the morale improves. I like that idea right. for Compliance and Ethics Institute. Let me pick up on your remarks really around speed networking on Sunday because I want to pair it with speed mentoring and really throw out another reason that uh, I think uh, every attendee should, should go to these. In addition to networking, obviously, uh, it provides you a chance to do that. And mentoring uh, also allows you the opportunity to seek out someone who perhaps could mentor you, but I found, Adam, that they're incredibly useful for other reasons, such as uh, even if you just have a question, uh, you're struggling with one part of a compliance program, the way uh, the SCCE puts people together, you can pair up with someone who may know more than you or may have a specialization in one specific topic, and you can get a direct uh, really focused question answered, or at least present to someone for continued dialogue both at the conference and thereafter. So there are lots of different reasons to utilize both of those, and I found them to be uh, incredibly enjoyable experiences, but frankly, I also learned a lot. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's funny, on the speed mentoring, one of the most consistent comments we get afterwards from the people who sign up to be mentors is that the people that are the mentees know as much, if not more, than they do. Right. Um, and I encourage everyone to try and sign up for that. It's free for anyone who's signed up for the meeting, but there is a separate registration where, Tom, as you indicated, uh, the participants should indicate what it is that their areas of interest are. That way, to the best that we can, we pair you with somebody else who either has the expertise you're looking for or is looking, if you're a mentor, for the expertise that you have to give. But you raised a really good issue there is uh, – it's really not just about what you accomplish in the room for that hour. It's really about what you do thereafter. You know, one of the things that drives me a little crazy about that is people absolutely love those sessions. They're incredibly loud with everyone talking at the same time. People are having a great time. There's smiles in the room all around. But then, you know, I'll ask people who participated in it, did you love it? Yeah, it was great. It was the best part of the meeting. Did you follow up with anybody you met? And then there's dead silence. Right. Take advantage of it. You know, compliance people are very good to each other. They're willing to share wisdom. Uh, it, they're not shy about that, but... And people do it. You hear it all the time in the halls. But take advantage of this as somebody that afterwards, so the three months from now, 
when you're sitting in your office and an issue comes up, you got another compliance officer now that you can call and say, hey, this thing just came up in my office. What would you do? Or this is what I'm planning on doing. Do you think there's some risk there? That's a terrific resource to have. And really, whether you sign up for speed networking or speed mentoring, that's really what you're laying the groundwork for. So there's a couple of evening events that I'd like to ask you about, Adam. Uh, they are on Monday and Tuesday night, um, or perhaps it's uh, Sunday. Sunday uh, and Monday. Sunday and Monday, where uh, it's basically a kind of a cocktail party, get together in the exhibit hall. People wear sports jerseys or other casual wear. And uh, yeah, we try. Yeah, no, I don't think that. we have a theme this year. Yeah, so we have all the breaks, you know, during the day. Uh, but the idea of the opening reception is as people arrive, gives them a chance to say hello to each other, catch up with old friends, spend some time with the exhibitors too, and really, it's a great way to get the networking started uh, and really reconnect with others in the compliance community, and to start practicing reading badges um, as you pass <laughs> people and as you see them. Uh, and start trying to figure out, is this somebody who there's a connection with, you know, whether they're in my town or they're my industry or some industry where maybe you want to learn something from. Monday night is uh, different. We do have a reception, but then that's followed by our International Compliance and Ethics Awards Dinner, which takes place immediately afterwards from 7 to 9. That's also, it's free for anyone who's attending the meeting, though we do ask you to sign up again so we know how many people are there and order the right amount of food and have the right amount of seats. The actual presentation of the award winners is great time to recognize people who've made a contribution to the profession and, and a substantial one. And also, uh, I should point out, it's not a long presentation. The whole thing takes only about 30 minutes. So it's not as if you're signing up for a banquet where you're going to listen to two hours worth of speeches. And inevitably, there is dancing led by Joe Murphy immediately thereafter. So it's a fine time to uh, relax at the end of the day, too. I'd like to feature, uh, uh, have a discussion about one of the things that uh, I'm not sure how many years ago it started, but it's the silent auction to benefit America's fund. And it's become hugely popular, both for people like me uh, and others who would make a donation, but also for people like me who want to buy some of the silent auction items. I bought one that your brother donated uh, once, uh, stood there and outbid whoever uh, got around me with some pretty sharp elbows. But nevertheless, um, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what America's Fund is and how the SCCE auction works for it? Yeah, it all actually started um, on a sad note with Kim Lansford, who's now uh, the chief compliance officer, I think for the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems, um, or Penn State Health System, I'm sorry, one, one of the two. But her son uh, was serving in the military, uh, got badly injured, and uh, they had to run out to Germany where he was being treated to see him. You know, there's a lot of needs, not only for the injured serviceman, but also for their families. And what America's Fund did was help Kim and her family deal with what happened to Justin and uh, help him get back uh, to work, to heal, and to uh, 
you know, continue living his life and for them to continue living theirs. So it was something that not only touched a member of the community, but it really, uh, I think, touched a lot of people, too, as they hear the stories and the work that America's Fund did. So what we do every year is we ask people to contribute something for the silent auction. Uh, Tom, you, I know, have collected a lot of uh, sports memorabilia and donated a great deal of that. Uh, my brother, for those of you who don't know, uh, my brother directed National Treasure and a bunch of other films, and he donated. I think you bought the, was it the National Treasure script? The script that he had signed. Signed script, Yes. Yeah. So uh, people do donate various things and then there's an opportunity to bid on it. It's fun. It can be vicious if uh, <laughs> several people want the same thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's also very interesting to see the range of skills that compliance professionals have. Roy Snell, our CEO, makes some amazing vintage looking mirrors and picture frames and other things. Um, uh, one of our my colleagues, Margaret Dragon, makes these beautiful baskets. Sean DeGroote, who's active in the association, makes jewelry. I mean, it's incredible what they have. And then People put together gift baskets and other things. So it's a great way to support a good cause, maybe find a bargain for yourself, and uh, participate in really a, a great added thing for the meeting. And Adam, as we are uh, near the end of our time, I was wondering if you just might be able to highlight some of this year's keynotes. Okay. Yeah, we've got a, a really Interesting lineup. First of all, Marjorie Doyle, who uh, I think everyone in compliance has come to know at least a little bit, is going to speak about her career as an ethics and compliance professional and the key takeaways from it. And I should point out this is not a valedictory for her. She is still actively working and uh, teaching on the academies. We also have Eugene Soltis, who's a Harvard Business School professor and the author of the book, Why They Did It, Inside the Minds of White Collar Criminal. And it's, he's going to uh, share what he's learned from his conversations with a huge number of white collar felons, from notables like uh, Bernie Madoff to others. Uh, we also have Liz Weissman speaking. I was talking about multiplying. Her whole approach is teaching people how to get maximum impact by getting others to carry your message forward. And that's a critical message for people in compliance where really, again, we're not the ones who make the compliant or non-compliant decisions. It's others, but our job is to help them make the right choice. And then we also have Mark Lannerman, who's the chief technology officer from a company called Computer Forensic Services, who's going to give a talk about cyber risk. And frankly, it's um, I've seen him talk before, and he's amazing. He goes on the dark web, shows how easy it is for criminals to get credit card information, and also exposes how much web-based things are supposed to be private but aren't. You know, I've seen him go on to websites of public utilities uh, where the controls are for power systems, and right. those supposedly are protected, but they're wide open for any hacker to get to. It's, I've seen that presentation. It's uh, quite alarming. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's quite alarming, and it does beg the question when, if you're a compliance officer and you've got systems and your IT people say they're safe and secure to ask the question or say, prove it to me, uh, or bring in somebody to take a look and see if they can get into them, too. Well, being from California, you could simply channel your inner Ronnie Reagan and say, trust but verify. 
Exactly, exactly. And uh, so those, those are the, you know, the general sessions got a wide range of things, um, a ton of people coming, the numbers are up versus last year significantly. And I was actually just looking at the list today, and we've got 130 attendees uh, coming from outside the US and they're from 34 different countries ranging from, believe it or not, Afghanistan to Uruguay. Wow, that's fabulous, Adam. Simply fabulous. Yeah. I, I really hope I can meet uh, some of our foreign guests because they they really are on the on the cutting edge and front lines of compliance in many ways. Absolutely. So, Adam, if anyone wanted uh, more information on this year's uh, Compliance and Ethics Institute, uh, could you tell them where they might go? Yeah, the best thing to do is on the web. It's just complianceethicsinstitute.org. Uh, all the information is there. You can download the brochure, flip through the agenda, uh, get all the information you need. And one piece of advice is uh, if you are going to come, make sure you book your hotel room promptly. A lot of times the uh, hotel blo- room block gets booked, so make sure you book early so you can stay at Caesars Palace and don't have to deal with those long Las Vegas walks. <laughs> Uh, as someone who travels in Las Vegas, um, there's plenty of hotels around Caesars, uh, unlike many other venues. Nevertheless, it's great to be at Caesars. So I've been visiting with Adam Turtletaub, the Vice President of Strategic Initiatives and International Programs at the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics. We've been talking about the 2017 SCCE Compliance and Ethics Institute, which will be held October 15th to 18th at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. It is Probably, in my mind, the top compliance profession-related event uh, each year. I urge you to attend if you have any interest in the compliance profession. That's fabulous conference. It's the lowest price of any conference. I stay at Caesars Palace as often as I can, and that's a wonderful venue. And uh, more than that, it's really great camaraderie about the compliance profession. So, Adam, thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to seeing you at this year's uh, CEI. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. On a very personal note, I would like to thank everyone who reached out to me during Hurricane Harvey, asking about my family, myself, and my house, wishing us good uh, luck, well wishes, and uh, offering for help. It was just really an outpouring of uh, support and affection that was, uh, frankly, overwhelming given the uh, uh, circumstances that we were all in. City of Houston is beginning to uh, get back to normal, and although my neighborhood is still flooded out uh, till the bio, our house didn't sustain any major damage. So thanks again to everyone. I greatly appreciate it. I've never asked for uh, any donations on this podcast, but I would, uh, given the devastation to Houston and greater South Texas and Louisiana, if you would make a donation to the charity of your choice for the Hurricane Harvey victims, I would uh, greatly appreciate it. And once again, it would be my with my most heartfelt thanks. This is Tom Fox. You've been listening to another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.